Let's pray together. God, we thank you for who you are. And we use the word good. But it's only because there is no way that we can measure or try to even explain just Good morning. Hey, if you would, turn with me in your Bibles, if you have your Bibles with you, to Luke chapter 8 over in the New Testament. And if you don't have your Bibles with you or you're not sure where Luke is or who he is, we'll show it up here on the screen in just a few moments. Um, But while you're finding that, I just wanted to take a minute this morning to say it is so, so good to have you with us here. Um, Man, as I watch people come in... I understand that sometimes, some Sunday mornings, it's a struggle just to get here, right? Um, you fighting with your spouse or, or your kids are struggling and they've had a long week or, or maybe you're single and you are like, man, I don't want to go in there by myself or you've been having struggles at home or work or wherever. Uh, I just want to take a minute to say it is good. I'm so glad you put the energy and effort into being here in the house of the Lord. And, uh, and if you're new, I would certainly love to meet you. Um, in fact, I'm, I'm trying to create a culture within our own people, the new lifers who have been here a while. Um, as you're sitting there, just kind of look around you. Don't be real obvious, but kind of pay attention to people around you. And if there's someone near you that you, you think is new here, would you please introduce yourself to them? And uh, if they are new, um, would you ask them if you could introduce them to me? That way they're not just coming by themselves. They have someone to kind of introduce them to me. I would love to meet them. And if they're not new and you don't know them, you need to meet them anyway, right? Um, so I would encourage you to do that. But man, it's just so great. Uh, to have each of you with us. Well, uh, we're in part three of a sermon series entitled Roots, the Farmer, Seed, and Soil. Uh, The overall theme of these weeks is that we're talking about the way uh, things grow personally and, and spiritually as well as identifying some of the things, which we'll talk about this morning, some of the things that that keep us from experiencing growth in our lives. And, and so to do that, we're looking at a story that Jesus told, which if you've grown up in church, you've likely heard it referred to as the parable of the seed. 
or the parable of the sower. Um, if you did not grow up in church, if you're new to church, new to the faith, or just seeking, just checking it out, uh, this may be the first time some of you have ever heard this story, and it's a great, great morning to hear this story for the first time. Uh, before I get to the actual story, let me do a little bit of rambling, okay? I'm just going to hit some things from left field to right field to kind of set up the stage for the story. Um, the, the culture in which Jesus would have been telling this story uh, would have been in the midst of an agrarian society. Now, in our agrarian society is a society that depends on agriculture as its primary means for support and sustenance. And so, so as Jesus was talking about seeds and planting seeds, as Jesus was talking about soil, as Jesus was talking about farming, this group of people uh, that he was talking to, they would immediately have been able to grab right on to the concept that he was talking about because many of them lived it every day as farmers, as part of an agrarian society. And if they weren't immediate farmers themselves, they were very closely connected to somebody who was. So they completely understood what Jesus was talking about. A fun fact about Pastor Troy, how many know, I used to be a farmer. <laughs> Very excited. Uh, in fact, here's a picture. I found this a little while back. There's a picture of me farming. I, I know that you wanted to see Troy in a diaper this morning. Uh, that's me. I don't know, two years old. I could have been six for all I know. I'd you know, I'm a guy. I don't know how old. I'm guessing two-ish. Uh, this is down at my grandpa's farm down in Vinton County, MacArthur area. Anyone know about that part of Ohio? Down in the middle of, like, nowhere um, back in the early 70s. And so I can really relate to this whole farming gig, right? Much like these people. Well, well Jesus told different stories. Um, these stories had different characters. Um, I know you're sitting and thinking, why did Troy just show that picture? I, I don't know. It's just so random. I found it. I thought, oh, a tractor farming. That's what I'm talking about. I'll show it. Um, the, all these different stories that Jesus told, they had different characters. They had different plots. But ultimately, they were all speaking about the kingdom of God. Uh, these stories or these parables were, were invitations for people to think differently. And in this one, Jesus is representing, uh, using soil to represent what? Your heart. Yeah. You know, there, there are things that can grow. There are things that can't grow depending on the condition of the soil or depending on the condition of the heart. And, and so, uh, Jesus is telling this story going, hey, there's things that will hinder growth, there's things that will help growth and support growth. Um, ultimately, it's all about us being able to hear from God. And let me say this, a word of encouragement. No matter what the condition of your heart, no matter what the condition of your heart, even if you have been told that nothing is going to grow there, that nothing good can come from it, 
you need to understand that there is a God who can take what you see as useless dirt and he can turn it into something awesome. awesome. That's the good news of the morning. Um, the parables or the stories that Jesus told uh, make up a crucial part of the Bible. Jesus had the wisdom and the ability to simplify profound spiritual truths that he needed to share with humanity and put them in the form of a relatable story or stories to help us be able to wrap our arms around what he was trying to teach us. All right? Jesus would tell stories about lost coins. He would tell stories about sons. He would tell stories about sheep. He, would tell, he told one story about a treasure that was buried in a field. He told another story um, about a, a foolish man who built his house on the shifting sands. He told that same story about a wise man who built his house upon a rock. And the list goes on. But of course he tells this story, the one we're looking at this morning, about a farmer scattering seed. Now... Uh, a little housekeeping note just for clarification. You may hear me use interchangeably the words dirt and soil, all right? And if you are like a doctor of dirt, that will probably drive you crazy, but I'm just speaking in layman's terms here, right? Um, dirt, soil, they're, they're, they're kind of the same thing, but they're also different. You know, soil is where things grow. Dirt is what you get on you while you're working in the what? In the soil, uh, dirt is dead, soil is alive, dirt is made up of uh, sand and silt and clay and yucky stuff. It doesn't have any nutrients or, or minerals or living organisms that bring about or produce growth like soil has in it. Um, another random thought, there are a lot of connections between soil and the way we grow in our own lives uh, because it's beneath the surface of the soil where the growth happens, where the life takes place. Uh, but the challenge for us is that you can't always see things happening above the surface of the soil, right? A lot of the, the good stuff is happening beneath the surface of the soil. And... Um, we can only see what's above the soil, which is often dirty and messy and yucky and muddy and, you know, just like life. You know, life can be messy, uh, life can be complicated, life can be dirty. But anyone with experience can tell you that it's in the painful moments of life that has the most potential for growth. All right? Now stay with me. I'm just kind of getting this set up. Uh, you might think of it this way. In life, valleys are all often compared to as the tough times of life, right? We're going through the valley, the valley of the shadow of death, facing this valley. But it's in the valleys where the soil is fertile. It's in the valleys where the growth happens, where the good stuff happens, where you become stronger. That doesn't happen on the mountaintop. In fact, your potential for growth is connected to your threshold for endurance and pain. Here's another random thought as I'm kind of setting this story up. Obviously, seeds can't talk. Seeds are inanimate. 
objects, right? Am I using that word right? Inanimate objects, they can't talk. But if they could, I could only imagine a seed in my hand as I'm getting ready to bury it in the flower bed or getting ready to plant it in the garden. I can imagine that seed shouting out and going, no, I don't want to go down into the dirt. I'm, I'm claustrophobic. I, I, I don't want to be buried. This is painful. It's dark. It, it's lonely down there. In fact, the seed would even say in the dirt, I'm coming apart. But the reality is that there's new life and there's new growth that comes from what appears to be the destruction, the very destruction of that seed. That's where the new life is coming from. And then the same way in our spiritual lives, um, growth is, is scary, it's painful, it can be challenging. You know, you're not going to grow without pain. You're not going to become stronger without facing challenges. And so you could think of it this way. If you're, if you're always opting out of pain, guess what else you're opting out of? Growth. If you opt out of pain, you're opting out of growth. What is it they say? No pain, no. Before God does something through you, he's always going to do something in you. And it's that growth process that can seem so scary and challenging and and painful. Okay, so back to the parable. I want to focus on verse 14, which is the point that Jesus is trying to make with this story. This is, this is where he's talking about those who have experienced some growth beneath the surface of the soil. Uh, maybe there's even been some breakthrough growth above the soil, and, and you see some greenery. But, but what Jesus is saying at, at this point in the parable is that there are some things on top of the sur uh, soil, at the surface of the soil, that threaten what God wants to do in us and through us. And so, uh, let me just, before I get to the actual reading, let me review the, the parts one and two of this series. Uh, first of all, God's Word, or the content of God's Word, is the what? The seed. God's Word is the seed. Now, let me try to summarize for you, however, however awful I may do it, let me try to summarize for you quickly the content of God's Word in like 60 seconds. Okay? Here it is. There's a God, and you're not Him. God created us to have community with us, to have relationship with us. We rebelled against that God. We shook our fist in the face of God. We chose to break community with God, which brought sin and death and destruction into our world, right? There was a price that had to be paid. We were going to die lost and without God and spend eternity in hell. But the price that had to be paid was the blood of a spotless lamb, which in turn was God sending his son, Jesus. And Jesus willingly came. 
to die, to be the, the, the spotless lamb, to be sacrificed on our behalf, to pay the price, the only one who could pay the price for the sin that we had, we had brought into the world. Um, that there is, there is, there was, there never will be anything that we could bring to the table to pay the price for that sin. It is simply beyond our scope and our grasp and our ability. And so Jesus came. He died on an old rugged cross for you and for me. He conquered death, hell, and the grave. He currently, the Bible tells us, is sitting on the right hand of the Father, talking to God the Father about you in this moment. Think about that. Is that cool? And if we will accept this gift that he offers to us, he's not forcing it on us, uh, if we accept that gift, we can be in relationship with God once again. And at this very moment, a place is being prepared for you in eternity, a place that we call heaven, for us to dwell in the presence of God uninterrupted forever. That is the very, very short version of the content of God's word, the seed. Your heart in this story is represented by what? The soil, all right? The soil. The seed is going to do what it's going to do. The seed or God's word is reliable. It's unchanging. God's word is the same yesterday, today, and forever, and it will never change no matter what's going on in our world. Politics or culture or society or anything else, the seed is going to do what it's going to do. It never changes. It is constant. It is stable. It is dependable. We can build our lives on it. My heart is not so consistent. A little bit wishy-washy we might say. Um, and the condition of our heart can be hard and crusty. It can be rocky. We're also going to see today that there are thorns and weeds that threaten what God wants to do in our lives as well. So Luke chapter 8, let's start with verse 4. One day Jesus told a story in the form of a parable to a large crowd that he had gathered from that, that had gathered from many towns to hear him. A farmer went out to plant his seed. As he scattered it across the field, some seed fell on a footpath where it was stepped on and the birds ate it. Other seed fell among rocks. It began to grow, but the plant soon wilted and died for lack of moisture. Other seed fell among thorns that grew up with it and choked out the tender plants. Now move down to verse 11. This is the meaning of the parable. So this is where Jesus is explaining what he's teaching us. The seed is God's word. The seed that the seeds that fell on the footpath represents those who hear the message only to have the devil come and take it away from their hearts and prevent them from believing and being saved. The seeds on the rocky soil represent those who hear the message and receive it with joy. But since they don't have what? Deep roots, they believe for a while, then they fall away when they face temptation. The seeds that fell among the thorns represent those who hear the message, 
but all too quickly the message is crowded out by the cares and riches and pleasures of this life. And so they never grow into maturity. And the seeds that fell on the good soil represent honest, good-hearted people who hear God's word, cling to it, and patiently produce a huge harvest. Now, notice the difference between the seed in verse 14 versus the seed that fell on the footpath versus the seed that fell on the rocks. Um, the seed in verse 14 that he talks about has a chance to take root. Um, something began to happen beneath the surface of the soil. Now, you know this. I'm not telling you anything new here. But the purpose of planting a seed in your flower bed or in your garden is what? So that something will grow from it. Okay? Um, you don't go plant a seed in your flower bed or in your garden and say, well, X marks the spot. We'll be back to get this seed later. No, that's not why we plant a seed. Uh, the next time you come back, that seed should be transformed into something that's a, a, a plant that produces something. That's the whole purpose of planting a seed. L let me give you another random thought. Uh, the process of that seed transforming into that plant that we're talking about takes a lot of time. You know, so many of us want to see results right here, right now. But growth doesn't happen quickly, right? But through it all, God is trying to do something in us so that he can do something through us. It's worth the struggle, people, right? It's worth the challenge. It's worth the pain. It's worth, it's worth the mess. You know, if it can feel like there's nothing going on while you're waiting for spiritual growth to happen, even though the reality is, is that beneath the surface of the soil, God is working and there's plenty going on, plenty of growth and life going on where you just can't see it. You know, you may be staring at the dirt of your life asking, where's the growth? You know, like you don't see anything. You, you, you feel buried in the circumstances of life. You're, you're waiting uh, for God to do a new thing. There's pain and there's pressure and it just feels yucky and messy and no, nothing happening. Let me encourage you. Hold on. Hold on. Because here's one of the principles of growth. God wants to take what happens to you, even in all of those crazy circumstances of life, even with all those struggles of life, even with all those challenges of life, God wants to take what happens to you to accomplish his work in you so that he can fulfill his purpose through you. But the point is you got to be patient. you got to be patient. You know, the problem is that so often we want to have this huge harvest, right, immediately without having the plant, without having the weed, without having the cultivate. We want God doing incredible things through us before he takes time to work in us. But there's no shortcuts to spiritual growth. 
my guess is that farming would be a much more popular career if the harvest happened instantaneously and without a lot of work and pain and labor, right? And, and it, that relates to us as a church. If we could tell people that once you become a Christian, you immediately stop facing pain or challenging times or difficult days, people would be standing in line at our door to get into this place. But the harvest that God is talking about takes a lot of time and energy and effort and sweat and hard work and purposefulness. It doesn't come easy. It doesn't come quick. You may have given your life to Jesus and you're thinking, oh wow, now my marriage, my marriage is going to be perfect. It's going to be awesome. And it gets worse instead. You know, maybe, maybe when you became a Christian you thought, all your financial struggles and all your financial challenges, they're, they're going to be okay now, but, but they're not. Maybe you became a Christian thinking, wow, maybe this will help my kids not to make such crazy life choices, but it hasn't helped them. The encouragement is simply this. Hold on. God may be doing something underneath the soil that you cannot yet see. Here, here's another principle. God doesn't allow anything into your life that he doesn't choose to use, particularly trials and difficulties. God uses it. Let me explain it this way. The Bible says that all things work together for the good of those who love him. Now, that can easily be misinterpreted by thinking, well, when I become a Christian, all things work together. All of my circumstances are going to be how I want them to be. All the hard times are going to disappear. All the challenging circumstances are going to just go away and life's going to be easy. But that's not at all what that passage of Scripture means. What it's talking about is basically what I just said, that God doesn't waste anything that He allows into your life, particularly trials and difficulties. Because all of those trials and difficulties that you're facing right now, and we're all facing at least one, right? There's the poster that says, be kind, everybody's fighting some battle. Everyone in this room is facing some challenge right now, right? Being a Christian doesn't alleviate that challenge from your life. What God is doing with that circumstance in your life underneath the soil, even though you may not feel it, even though you may not be able to see it, is that He is helping through that challenge to shape your character to become more like Jesus, which is the ultimate goal. So, Jesus mentions a third type of soil. So, so the, first two, the first seed falls on the footpath. Okay, the farmer's out scattering seed. It, it falls on the footpath where the farmer walks back and forth. It's hard. It's crusty. The seed's not getting down into the soil. The wind comes and blows the seed away, or a bird comes and eats the seed or whatever. Now, uh, I know that this refers to people who hear the Word of God 
but they don't choose to live by the word of God, right? It just, it's hard, crusty, their heart, they're not making any decisions based on it. And, and Satan comes and steals the seed, God's word away. I, I, I hope I'm not taking this too far out of context, but I think this can also refer to Christians who have been around for a while and they've gotten hard and crusty. Right? I, I've, I've been around enough Christians for long enough to know that sometimes if we're not careful, we think we have it all together. There's nothing new that God is doing in our hearts or in our lives. We already know what we think God's going to do. He can't tell us anything new. And ultimately what happens is we sit back and we kind of get hard and we kind of get prideful. And those are the ones in the church who judge and criticize and create doubt and all of that. They've just become a hard, crusty Christian. Right? So it's not just for the new believer or those who are not believers yet. The footpath. And then the second seed falls into the ground where there's some soil, but just underneath the soil are some rocks. And, and so the seed doesn't get rooted. Now what that represents would be those, let's say, maybe you grew up in a Christian home and as soon as you left, you went out into the world, you started doing your own thing and you fell away from the faith, right? Due to temptation, peer pressure, whatever. Um, or uh, maybe it's not about growing up in a Christian home. It's at it, it, whatever point, for whatever reason, you gave your heart to Jesus at some point in life, but your marriage got hard or your finances were a struggle or there was a physical issue, you got a, a result from a doctor's office or some kind of uh, challenge in school and work, relationships, whatever, and those challenges are represent those rocks. And as soon as you hit those challenges, your roots couldn't go down and you let those rocks dictate your relationship with Jesus and all of a sudden you have no roots and, and you fall away from the faith. That's what that's representing. But we start to see some results uh, with this third seed. There's some greenery that eventually pops up through the surface of the soil. The problem is there are some things on the surface of the soil that choke out what God wants to do in you. And Jesus uses the analogy of the thorns. Uh, the picture is that the, the seed gets sown and it lands in good soil and God begins to do a work, change begins to happen, right? But there are external things, the thorns that are on the top of the surface that begin to choke out what God wants to do. And Jesus even takes it to the next level. He gets very specific. He says, here are the three things, and I don't know, I don't know if this is kind of an all-inclusive list that each Eric just over compasses over a huge list of things, but Jesus mentions three things very specifically. He says, hey, Troy, here are the three things that's going to choke out the work of God in your life. These are the three specific thorn bushes that Jesus is referring to in the story. Number one, there are the worries of life. They choke out what God wants to do in your life. Number two, Jesus says there's the deceitfulness of wealth. And number three, Jesus says the third thorn bush that's going to choke out what God wants to do in your life are the pleasures of life. All three of those weeds or thorn bushes threaten what God wants to do 
what the harvest that God wants to produce in you. Now, think about farming for a minute. Now, I realize that today most of you are not farmers. Some of you are, but many of you are not. But even if you're not, you've seen enough about it, you've heard enough about it, you've watched enough on TV, you know a little bit about it. Have you ever noticed no farmer ever goes out with a bag of thornbush seeds and starts planting it in the garden? Um, no farmer would ever go out and take a bag of weed seeds. That sounds wrong. You know what I'm saying. Seeds that produce weeds. And you with me, right? Okay. They don't take a handful of that and just scatter it in the field where they're wanting to produce a great harvest of corn or green beans or whatever, right? And it's the same in life. I guess it is okay to plant weed seeds these days in Ohio legal, right? I don't know. Sorry, rabbit trail, squirrel. Um, the point is this. There are times, Jesus points out to us, there are times that we have to do some weeding in our life. We have to allow God to do some weeding in our life because there's things that's growing up around the good seed that's choking out the work that God wants to do. And, and many of us can relate to the condition of this third seed. seed. You know, just, just as we begin to experience some growth and we begin to see a little greenery pop up through the surface of the soil, it, it's so easy to become preoccupied. It's so easy to become distracted by the things around us that threaten the harvest that God wants to produce. And so the question is, what are those thorns? What are those weeds? And, and Jesus lists them. Here they are again. Jesus refers to what? First of all, the worries of life as a thorn bush that, that blocks out the work that God wants to do in your life. Uh, we're so constantly focused on all the bad news. We're so constantly focused on all the bad stuff that might go wrong. We experience bad news information overload. You see, back in the day when I was growing up, you at least had to go down to Lawson's to pick up a newspaper to read about the bad news. Anybody remember Lawson's? Yeah, back in the day. Back in the day, you at least had to wait till the 6 o'clock evening news to experience... And to understand the bad news. But this morning, I could take 10 seconds with this thing in my pocket and pull up all the bad news from any corner of the world that I want to pull it up front, up from. I mean, it's like you can't shut off the bad news information overload. And so we become consumed and we become worried with what's happening around us, which leaves us little energy to reflect and to focus on what God is wanting to do in you. We're always, we're always caught up in the external circumstances rather than what God wants to do in and through those circumstances. And, and 
Jesus says this is one of the thorn bushes that chokes out the harvest that God wants to produce in you. Here's another one. Jesus said, he talked about the deceitfulness of wealth as thorns. You know, money can be a key motivator in life, which affects our decisions, uh, where we place our attention. Money, sadly enough, too often affects our personal peace. You know, it, it's, it's sad to see so many who are a slave to debt the culture, the mindset of our culture these days with too many people is this. If I can afford the monthly payment, then I can afford it. And that's wrong. And we live as a slave to debt. You know, have you ever noticed that however much money you make, it never quite seems to be enough? If I just had a little bit more money, then I could take it easy. Then you get a little bit more money and it's still not enough. Jesus is saying this is the deceitfulness of wealth. Wealth is a great servant but it is a horrible master and the problem is so many in the church live as wealth as their master not their servant which is why we have got to be so intentional with where we send it and where we spend it. You've heard me say this before. Money is one of the deepest spiritual issues you will ever deal with. Money. I, I've pastored long enough. I've dealt with people long enough to understand that it is a fact that one of the very last things that someone will surrender to God is what? their money. It's one of the deepest spiritual issues you deal with and that's why Jesus says, hey it's a thorn bush that will choke out what I want to do in your life. And then Jesus he refers to the third thorn bush, the pleasures of this world you know, you try to focus on what God wants for your life but then you're distracted by uh, the, the things of this world you come to church, you get good seeds planted, planted but then you go out and, and to the world and, and you seek the worldly pleasures and to produce thorns and weeds and they counteract the very thing that God wants to do in your life. That's the pleasures of this world. And so the question this morning is simply this. Very simple. Here it is. You ready? Do you, do I, do we need to do some weeding this morning in our lives. Is God pointing out something in your life that needs to be removed? Is God pointing out something in your life that needs to be reprioritized? Now, here's the thing. Some of the weeds, some of the thorn bushes, they aren't big, horrible, ugly things. You know, I doubt that anyone's going to walk out of this room this morning or, or shut down the computer this morning and go out and do something horrendous. No. What happens more often is that these weeds and these thorns that grow up and block the harvest that God wants to produce through our lives, they're just little things that often are not bad in and of themselves. They're not wrong in and of themselves. But they 
began to take precedence over what God wants for your life. Um, they, they distract you from focusing on God and the harvest he wants to produce in your life. And by the way, it's very, very tempting for us um, who have been around the church for a while to think, man, this series is really good for people who aren't Christians or for people who maybe they, they're new to the faith and this is, man, this is right down the alley for them. But I want to challenge us who have been around the church for a while. This is for us just as much. You know, maybe you've had it together for so long that you've unintentionally become prideful and you're thinking, man, this, great, this message is great for the new people, but, but I'm good. And so you sit back and you just kind of judge and you criticize or you, or you think you already know what God wants to do or what God's going to say. You know, if that's you, Christian, you need to tend, I need to tend to the soil of our soul as well. The church, capital C. The church is full of believers whose lives are being overtaken by thorn bushes and weeds. And we need revival. All these other things are distracting us. They're choking out what God wants to do. This song we're about to sing, the title of it is, is God of Revival. There's a part in it that says, come awaken your people, come awaken your city, oh God of Revival, pour it out, pour it out. Every stronghold will crumble, right? Here the chain hits the ground, oh God of Revival, pour it out, pour it out. We need revival. We need to allow God in these moments to do some weeding in our lives because the church, again, capital C, is full of mediocre, satisfied with status quo Christians who are kind of half in and they're half out. They'll honor God by coming to his house on Sundays as long as there's nothing else that's on the agenda that they could do instead. They'll give if they want, you know, they have a little bit of leftover at the end of the month. They'll give they'll share their faith if someone just absolutely trips over them and it's almost awkward if they don't share their faith you know they're just kind of half in half out the bible refers to them as the savorless salt the salt that has lost its savor the salt that is good for nothing but to be trodden under the foot of men our churches are full of christians that fit in that category. I, I said it a couple weeks ago that Satan's job can really be summed up in one word, and that word is this, distraction. That Satan's job is distraction. Again, he's not going to get any of you to go out and commit some just horrible crime that's going to alter your life forever. But his job is to distract you. You see, Satan... He cannot turn down the voice of God in your life that's above his pay grade. But what he can do is he can turn up all the voices of the world which drown out the voice of God. 
back to the point we need revival and we need to ask God this morning we need to allow God this morning because he's not going to force himself on us this morning we need to say God would you just put the spotlight of glory on my heart are there weeds are there thorns are there are there these things that's distracting me from focusing on you God, would you do, would you send revival? Would you help me as I reprioritize? Would you help me as we till the ground, till the soil, as we do some weeding? And so we're going to sing the song, and you can stand, you can sit, you can kneel at your seats. Maybe some folks will want to come forward to the altar and pray, but let's just invite God to search our hearts this morning as they lead us.
us today. We love you guys. You are dismissed. I'm the sound of praise. They'll sing.